And he says, I never knew what you did, McGee. I just thought you took drugs, right? And then in the 90s, I put it on, and you, you were always on the fucking news. And I was like, oh, that's what he does. He does music. <laughs> You're listening to Having a Chat on CJRU in Toronto, the show where we take interesting people with interesting taste in music and talk to them about the music that they love. All right, so this week on the show, we're chatting with Alan McGee. Alan is the guy behind some of the most important rock and roll bands of the 90s. Oasis, My Bloody Valentine, Primal Scream, just to name a few. He's got a new label as well as a new management company. Lots of stories to tell, and we're very excited to have him with us to chat about some music. This is Having a Chat. Alex, message from James uh, from the Oasis podcast. Hope you're well. Uh, just wanted to say well done for some of the amazing guests you've had on recently. Uh, I mean, Alan McGee, Peter Hook, Gaz Whelan, fantastic. You know, really good stuff. Um, you know, and uh, legends of British music and Manchester music, especially, which is obviously something that I'm interested in. Um, so, a couple of questions for you. Number one, how do you get such great guests? I mean, seriously. I've been trying to get Peter Hook and Clint Boone uh, for months, years even. I've never got them. What are you doing that I'm not? And also, any guest in particular that you are desperate to get on that you haven't yet? It would be really interesting to hear uh, who's on your hit list. All right, um, just to let everyone know, if they want to check out the Oasis podcast, if they're big fans of Oasis, it is at Oasis Podcast across social media and anywhere you can find uh, girl podcasts. Oh, and I'm starting a new one as well on the film Trainspotting. So if that's something you're interested in, then uh, at Choose Life Pod is the place to find that. All right. All the best, guys. All right. Thanks very much, James. We appreciate the love. And uh, as he said, if you're looking for uh, for some great Brit pop and Oasis listening, check out the Oasis podcast, wherever you can find your podcasts. Uh, and to answer your questions, um, the secret, you know, it, it you know, I kind of like to to mess with people and say it's like the caramel secret we'll never tell but really it just boils down to persistence sending the email and sending lots and lots of follow-ups uh and then as for you know who's on my hit list obviously you know the big uh, the big gallagher brothers would be an absolute dream uh but uh you know i'd also love to love to speak to damon uh love to speak to anybody and everybody who has had a significant impact on music uh but then on top of that you know people uh people who are making cool music that uh that may not uh have the biggest spotlight on them they are always welcome on this show so uh so anyway uh thanks heaps to james and uh and on with the show um all right so the first thing i wanted to talk to you about before we get into the song choices is um is sort of a bit of your story that I find to be the most fascinating. And there's this great video on, on YouTube sort of documenting it quite well. And it's the, it's the moment at the, uh, at the Brit awards where um, Noel Gallagher is up on stage and shouts out you know, the seven people who are doing stuff for the young people of the country and uh, including <laughs> yourself and, uh, and Tony Blair. Um, what can you, I mean, and, and, and I'm just, particularly interested just out of personal interest in the intersection of politics and music that's kind of where i live um yeah. 
And so I was just wondering if maybe you could recount that story for us and then, you know, follow it up with perhaps, you know, you were a, a young punk rock kid. So how, how does it feel to sort of go from being a, a kid who loved the clash to then, you know, entering the halls of power at, uh, at number 10? Yeah. Well, you got to understand he was off his nut that night. He'd had about four E's. Right. So, so he was absolutely off his nut. I, I mean, it was a funny statement, but I was cringing at the time because I knew he was off his nut on ecstasy. And it was like, there's, four, there's seven people in a room tonight that's giving a hope to young people. There's me, our kid, Alan White, Bonehead, Gwigsy, Alan McGee, and Tony Blair. And you go up and shake that man's hand Let's hear it for Tony Blair. Talk to the people. I think that's what he said. No, yeah, and, I think uh, that's it. Because I've seen it a few times. Eh? I, I was cringing. But I love Noel. I'm still good mates. I actually emailed him Sean Ryder's solo album about fucking 10 minutes ago. Right. And I'll be seeing him next week. I'm still pretty good. I'm still pretty close with Noel. Uh, a great, great guy. He's so loyal, man. Such a good guy, man. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was off his nut. What did I feel like? I was cringing at the time. Uh, Alex, I was like fucking because I knew he was off his nut. Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> it's one of these things, and the fact that I could recite the entire thing shows you how famous that fucking clip is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's in all the in all the latest documentaries, isn't it? It's in everything that that that, yeah. that thing. Um, I, what do I think of it? Uh, well, what do I think of being involved with the government? Well, actually, you probably wouldn't know this, but. I managed to change the law, Alex. Uh, I, right. uh, I, uh, you know, I, I, Labour got in, and then they loved me because I'd brought Oasis to the party and got them, get, got really helped Blair get in with the young people. To be honest, right? Mm -hmm. And Labour got in. They, they crushed. Uh, they crushed the Tories. Literally crushed them. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, and and it was a, I think it's the biggest I think it's the biggest ever Labour win and uh, I think we gave it a sense of now creation in Oasis mainly Oasis um, and they were offering me jobs I turned them all down Alex uh, they wanted me to get young Brit young Britain back to work I, I turned it down uh, and then I ended up they offered me they said look we need you in this committee it's called the Creative Industries Task Force and it was me Richard Branson. Um, Gail Rebuck, uh Paul Smith, Robert Devereux. It was all pretty. It was pretty high flying sort of thing. I was <laughs> God Almighty, and and little old me it was a bit mental. I mean, I was really only there because I found Oasis. So anyway, I was on that, and then they put me in the music industry's task force. They tried to make me the boss of that, which was essentially being the head of the music business in Britain. And I, 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 re I refused that, right? But I ended up on the committee. I didn't even want to be on it, right? And, uh, but they said, please be on it. So I ended up being on it. And, and so after about a year, I realized I had quite a lot of power, you know what I mean? So, uh, and I really had Blair's ear, so I managed to change the law. And you could be a musician um, and get benefits. And, and mm. for 10 years in their country, you could get benefits by showing up and to a sponsor kind of person and showing them that you had a guitar and you would get your 40 or 50 quid a week for being a wow. fucking musician. Now, 
But when the Tories in, they don't even want you on. They 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 want to take you off. Do you know what I mean? And uh, and that was good. So to answer your question, I thought it was great that I managed to affect something. You know what I mean? And uh, so yeah, maybe the bullshit of going to Ten Downing Street was <laughs> relayed by. I mean, I only went to Ten Downing Street because I wanted to have a look. I mean, I was like, my nosy fucker, right? But um, <laughs> but but I mean, in balance, I think I did good. I think I did all right. You know. Yeah, so, I mean, why, like, what, what was it that made you sort of, you, you picked the thing that you did? I mean, it seems like you turned a lot of things down. And what, what made you decide finally to kind of, you know, sit on that committee and, and just sort of say, you know, almost, fuck it, uh, I'll, I, I'll do this? I, I, I mean, I don't know. I just thought it was bizarre that they were letting me actually have a voice. And uh, they loved me, to be fair. They fucking loved me at that point, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, I fell out with them eventually around 2000 because I put Malcolm McLaren, the, the manager guys, you know, do you know who Malcolm McLaren is? Yeah. No. Right, Malcolm McLaren managed the Sex Pistols. Oh, okay, right, up, right, right. I, I put them up to, for the Mayor of London job. Right. And I got Sony to pay 20 grand. I, I managed to say it to Sony, it was an art project, and Sony put Malcolm McLaren up. <laughs> For the mayor of London. Holy cow! So, did you did you ever any have any uh, ambitions for running for something yourself? No, I'm not a politician, Charlie. Right? Yeah, of course. Um, so, before we uh, before we get into the music, I, there was one other thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, you know, we, the Creation Records is is so known for some of its biggest acts. I mean, like obviously Oasis, Primal Scream, My Bloody Valentine, Ride. But what are just out of a personal curiosity, what were a few creation bands that you felt never got the credit that they deserved? Like, you know, sort of, I guess, you know, another way of phrasing that is what's like a suit, what are some underrated creation bands? Um, well, there's a few. Uh, who was I talking to? I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. I can't remember who it was. Um, and Trash Monk. That was an incredible record at the end of the 90s. It was a guy called Nick Laird, Clo- Nick Laird Closed. Mm. And he'd, he'd written some of the Pink Floyd Division Bell record with Dave Gilmore. And he put a solo record out called Trash Monk uh, mm. on creation. And it always sold 20,000, 30,000, but it was a masterpiece record. Mm-hmm. Kevin Rowland. Do you remember the record that Kevin Rowland put out uh, at the end of the 90s on my label? When he was he was dressed up in women's panties and stockings. Right, right, right. I, I think I've it's seen a that. It's a masterpiece record. And he, but we got obliterated for the clothes, to be absolutely honest. Do you know what I mean? But right. uh, that's, that's it's a big that's Spinal Tap vibe. Kind of like no, Smell the really. Glove. It, <laughs> no, I don't think it was. He was absolutely serious. He's quite an intense guy. <laughs> and, uh, you know... People slaughtered us for the sleeve, but the record itself was fucking great, you know. That should have been big. Felt should have been big. Do you know Felt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they should have been fucking massive. They, they was good. They, I mean, it's a big statement, but they were almost as good as Echo and the Body when such a great band, you know. Right. And, uh, and uh, that never and that never happened. There'd been a few. Three Colors Red was a kind of metal band, pop metal band that I had. Should have fucking blew up. Didn't happen. So um, yeah, that's just the way it goes, you know? Right. I mean, and I'm, I've always been interested in sort of what it is because it, it seems like there are so many bands that should have done it but didn't. And frankly, right. you know, on the other side of that, it feels like there are even some bands that shouldn't have done it but did it. 
Um, yeah. What do you think it is? Like, do you do you re- do you think it just boils down to timing? Like, you know, what what made a band like you know Primal Scream or Oasis shoot to the top, whereas these other bands, you know, were sort of left at the bottom? Well, with these two bands, number one, before you get to the musical talent, which is it's huge in both these bands, right? The thing you've got to understand is it's like these bands didn't just have the music, they had the they had the they had the ambition and the the fucking they were gonna fucking get there, whatever. Yeah. You know, they, they were hungry to be famous, they were hungry to be known, they were hungry to to, to, to make it, whatever way you want to cut the cake. They were hungry for all that. And then on top of that they both could write fucking great songs and that's why they yeah. made it. Yeah. And Liam Gallagher is a one-off and so is Bobby Gillespie. They're both unique talents and unique individuals. And so they kind of had everything, these bands, you know what I mean? I mean, I suppose the only surprise with Tribal Scream is it, it was weird that it took so long. Because I had right. them for six and a half years until before they eventually broke. Do you know what I mean? Most people would have given in, I suspect. Do you know what I mean, you know? Right, yeah, just that that drive and that work ethic keeps you yeah. keeps you afloat. Um, so let's uh, let's get into your song picks. Um, Can I speak to a manager by the Clockworks? This is um, this is a band that you know you've been putting on a bunch. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm I'm really interested a, in. They, they, well, they're such a great band, mate. It's like they they're as good as the old Creation bands. Um, you know, like they're as good as these these bands we're talking about and. And uh, nobody knows about them yet, you know. What I mean, they're just a little band. That, you know, they're on Spotify. They've got I don't know about twenty thousand people listen to their music at the moment. It's not very big, but it's, they're such a fucking great band. They've got the tunes, basically. Right. So, I mean, I'm I'm interested in like what. So you know, you you say that they're that they're sort of up to the level of those sort of creation greats. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be great. I mean, it's very early days. They've only been together about a year, that band. But, uh, right. But it's early days, you know. I mean, I found right. them very... I found them about six months into their career, you know. Right. And, and you know, the story, at least the one that I read, is that they, they DM'd you on Instagram um, and basically they, they, they said... Did. Yeah, yeah. They, they'd moved to London. They're from Ireland and they'd moved to London and then... I didn't know that. And then they messaged me and I, and went... Uh, you know, like McGee. You know, we, we say we're the we're the punk rock version of the streets, and the streets are pretty fucking punk rock anyway. Right. And I and I was like, all right, okay, I'll have a listen. And it, they kind of are. It's, they're a kind of guitar-y streets band. You know, they're a fucking great band. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, what is it? You know, my my understanding is that is that you love a band with sort of cockiness and attitude. Beyond that, like, what do you what do you look for in a band that? Uh, that sort of reaches out to you. I mean, you know, and because uh, I've had a few, uh, I've had a few friends in bands who have uh, DM'd you their stuff as well. Uh, but uh, what is it that you uh, that you look for in a new uh, in a new band? It to isn't work with? just being. It isn't just. I mean, you've got to have an attitude, but it isn't just the cocky thing. Because if you just if you're just cocky, I'm just going to ignore you, really. To be honest, do you know what I mean, and I do listen to loads of stuff, but it's like most people that send stuff it's just not very good you know what I mean it's, right. it's not what I'm looking for whatever way you want to look at that but um, they, they were just they said something interesting and I clicked it and they were fucking great that's just the way it is you know yeah yeah absolutely alright well let's uh, let's give this tune a listen this is Can I Speak to a Manager by The Clockworks on CJRU 
has been a job's worth He's in a work as a vehicle All I want is a refund All I'm getting is an earful Can I speak to a manager please? 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 We're gonna we're gonna come back with uh, with loaded primal scream, a fantastic tune. I mean this this one I've actually been kind of playing all summer. Um, I, I I hosted a uh, right before the lockdowns and everything started. I was hosting a uh, sort of Brit pop Madchester DJ night uh, in downtown Toronto, and uh, yeah. this song came on and, and got the crowd buzzing. But uh, you know Bobby Gillespie, you've been with him since. Since more or less the beginning. Um, well, no, we... earlier than that, man. We, we, we went to school with each other. Right. So, um, what, uh, what can uh, you tell us about your relationship with Bobby Gillespie and sort of how it started and where it went from there? Just like, I mean, we're still friendly. And, we, you know, I mean, I was talking to him earlier on, you know, to this morning, but, but it's not that big, intense thing anymore, man. But uh, at one point, we were living in each other's pockets. Do you know what I mean? You know, and like, I met Bob when he came to live in my area when he was 11 and I've been friends with him since he's 11 and then when punk happened and I was 15 and he was 14 we used to go to the concerts and that's where the, the real friendship began you know right. and uh, we're just best mates you know and like, we don't like we both get families and kids and you know I, I do my thing I don't manage them anymore and, uh, and he does his thing but we're still pals you know what I mean we're more than pals we're lifelong friends do you know what I mean you know yeah. 
Yeah, it kind of. But it's hard to play band. I mean, it's not. I mean, my other pa- very good friend Andrew Ennis is in that band, and uh, I came to London with Andrew Ennis. We, we, we came to London. I was homeless, you know. You know, with Andrew, t- and then we ended up squatting in in, uh, in uh, London, and we survived it all. You know what I mean? Right. But Lord, they did a record, such an incredible record, isn't it? It's an anthem. Right. I said how rock anthem. I mean. Bobby and all the people had kind of done that before them was, I suppose, Mondays were Hallelujah. Do you know what I mean? You know, right. but it's such a record. Do you know what I mean? Well, so it's interesting because for, for me, I had always listened to Screamadelica, and that was kind of the the only um, Primal Scream album that I had listened to. But but recently, some friends of mine suggested that I check out some of their earlier stuff, and I realized like how much of a departure Screamadelica was from their stuff yeah. before it. Yeah. What did you make of yeah. that sort of sonic shift at the time? I was probably responsible for it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, was, I, I got them on. I, me and Sean Ryder got Bobby MTX to say, to be honest. I was going to these clubs. I was big friends with the Mondays, who I now manage. Uh, Sean gave Bobby his first pill. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, the Mondays used to do shows, and uh, this is the late 80s in England. But they'd also be turning everybody on because they'd arrived from Manchester down in Brighton where I mean I used to go up to Manchester and hang out with them. I knew them very well. But uh but the Mondays would be turning on the audience, selling them the ease, and then the Mondays <laughs> would get up on stage, play the music and they would dance on the ease. That's that was what was happening, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I mean I, I am I am sort of endlessly fascinated by the Mondays and uh, and we're going to get to one of their tunes later but uh, <laughs> until then this is Loaded by Primal Scream on CJRU. Just what is it that you want to do? Well, we want to be free. We want to be free to, to do what we want to do. And we want to get loaded and we want to have a good time. And that's what we're going to do. Away, baby, let's go. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have a party.
Just what is it that you want to do? I'm gonna get deep down, deep down. I said, I'm gonna get deep down, deep down. Woo, hey! What is it that you want to do? We want to get loaded, and we want to have a good time. On you go, next one, Rich. Yeah, let's do it. Um, T-Rex, get it on. Um, 
a fantastic tune. I came to know it uh, just from uh, from your pal Noel ripping it off allegedly uh, with cigarettes and alcohol. What do you uh, <laughs> what do you like about this tune? Well, it was the first single I ever bought. I mean, it sounds right. cool. It is fucking cool, but I, I'd have to counter it, Alex, with the fact that a uh, the second single I ever bought was "Chirpy Chirpy Cheap Cheap" by Middle of the Road. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because I was ten. I, what, how I could afford these records was that I, when I was 10 and 11, I, I, I ended up getting that. My mum and dad didn't have any cash at all. Yeah. Right. So uh, they couldn't give me any pocket money or anything. So they said, go and get a paper job. Well, I thought I did one better than that. And I went and got this uh, job selling newspapers at, uh, from about 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning to 2 o'clock in the afternoon on the corner of Victoria Road in Glasgow, right? And I did it the first week, and this the split of the money it was a it was a newspaper uh, funded by adverts, right? So right. it's essentially a, a free paper. It was on sale for ten pence, right? And this is nineteen seventy one, uh, and I would be ten, right? So it was a it was a six pence back. You get ten pence, and you had to pay. The people uh, back six pence, right? Right. But I realised so you get the you, no, you had to pay the people back four pence, and I got to keep six pence, right? So I did that for the first, the first day, uh, the, the first week, and I think I sold about two hundred papers. So I made a profit with ten or twelve quid. Right. But but I worked it out. I basically cased the joint, and I realised that if I went down an hour earlier. I could just rob the papers. So I've done that for the next two or three years. I used to go down in the morning, rob 200 papers and go and sell them and keep 100% of the money. So, uh, so that's how I got a record collection, Alex. And, uh, and out of the profits of my, uh, my, what's the word for it, being a cheeky boy, I, I, bought, <laughs> I, I, bought, I bought T-Rex. Get right, on. So- so what are what are some other bands of that era? I mean, I know that you know, I heard a story where you and Bobby Gillespie went to a uh, went to a Thin Lizzy gig. Uh, I I know you're a big fan of Slade. What is it about the sort yeah. of bands of that era that uh, that? Oh, the glam to... thing, Alex. I love it, man. I love that period in music. It's like uh, T Rex was the first record I bought. I love the whole glam thing, though. I then got into Slade. I loved Slade. So loved Slade, and then it was Bowie. And then I've I've been a massive David Bowie fan forever, for literally my whole life, since I've been twelve or something. And uh, that glam thing, Roxy, Queen, Mott the Hippo, um, the Sweet, fucking love the Sweet, Alvin Stardust, Gary Glitter. Mm. It's a shame about all the crimes, but you know, I mean, because I mean, we can't. None of us can actually admit how great Gary Glitter was. He was fucking great musically, but total fucking horrible cunt you know with his behavior um and i just loved all these bands do you know what i mean well i mean gary alex, glitter is alex another harvey. alex harvey have you ever heard alex harvey no uh, amazing sensational sensational alex harvey band classic well so um the gary glitter is another uh is another artist that uh that noel ripped off with uh with hello yeah. what was it like for you sort of being the head of that of Oasis's label when they, you know, 
they're ripping off Gary Glitter, they're ripping off Coca-Cola. <laughs> like what what's that like for you? Well, I'll tell you a good I'll tell you a good Gary I'll tell you a good Gary Glitter story. It's a fucking true story. So Oasis had they even put out Morning Glory. They just put it out. They just fucking put it out. And we had to bung Gary Glitter. We had to, we had to buy him out or buy his publishing company out. I don't even think he owns his publishing anymore. But back in the right. day, I think he did. And we had to give him, I think we had to pay him off, but give him a hundred grand for, for the, the uh, for the, um, you know, it was, it was a buyout. But I think for using Hello, Hello, It's Good to Be Back because it's the fucking chorus of the song. I think right. we had to pay him a hundred grand back in the day, right? But anyway, the records come out. And I'm in this posh flat. I've moved, I've upgraded my flat because we've just right. shipped fucking millions of records, right? So I've upgraded my flat and I'm living in this back in the 90s, a million, two million pound flat, right? You know, that I'm just renting it though, to be honest, right? And I've got the new girlfriend who's like, I eventually marry, but she's cool and, we're, you know, I'm fucking pleased with myself. So I've just moved into the flat. There's no fucking blinds and, uh, and she's walking about in a very attractive girl and she's like walking about uh, in a brand panties half the time, right? And uh, and uh, she comes in and she goes to me in the other room. She goes, there's some pervert looking at me. And, and I'm like, Wh- where? where? So anyway, I'd, I used to live in Rotherhouse. I'd moved up to Rotherhouse, so, which is on the river and I had binoculars. So I go and she goes, well, he's up there in that penthouse. And I get the, the binoculars and I look in one room and I'm looking I'm going, no fucking way and I go into the other room and I'm zooming in on the binoculars it's fucking Gary Glitter no. Gary Glitter <laughs> had lived opposite me on the other side of the street in the penthouse was checking out my missus so that that, that was fucking Gary Glitter for you Damn! Wow, that's uh, yeah, and it certainly is consistent with the uh, with the things that I've heard about him. So uh, <laughs> it's a bit creepy. Um, all right, well let's. Uh, it is let's... creepy, man. It's creepy. Yeah, this is uh, this is T Rex with Get It On on CJRU.
All right. Uh, next up is the is the Mondays, and I'm going to take this as an opportunity to talk to you about Tony Wilson. Um, and uh, my understanding is he's a great source of inspiration for you, and you know, frankly, for me as well. I mean, just this idea, and and, and frankly, I, you know, I don't know how how many of the quotes from the movie Twenty Four Hour Party People are actually you know attributed to him, or if they you know they're attributed to some you know screenwriter. But this idea that yeah is just a sort of a minor character in his own life story and that it's really about the music. That's something that's sort of a philosophy that I try to adhere to. Um, but what can you, what can you tell us about some, perhaps some things that you learned from Tony Wilson? Well, he's brilliant. We, we ripped off the factory contract essentially. And the factory right. contract was a 50, 50 profits, but that I have with bands to this day and right. I'll pay for your record. I'll put it out. Uh, I'll, I'll take the cost of the record, the cost to manufacture it back, and then I'll give you 50% of the profit, and I'll have 50% of the profit. And that, that, that was the deal we were doing, you know? Right. So, I mean, you know, what was, uh, what's your relationship like with the Mondays, and, and, and how did you sort of end up um, in this position that you're in now where you're managing them? Well, I knew them from the late 80s. Well, right. not even the late 80s. I met them in the 86 and in New York with Tony. I was out with Tony. And the Mondays came in and they were all dressed. It was weird because everybody else, we were all dressed in around that time in black and in black leather. And the Mondays came in and and, and parkas in flares, right? (laughs) This poor fucking acid house, mate, right? I was like, fuck it, they look mental. And they came in and got two or three hundred dollars off of Tony and off they off they waddled, right? So that's the first time I met them. And then I became pals with them around 88 when they put Bummed out on the lead up to Bummed coming out. And I loved that record. Which you were going to play Mad Cyril in a minute, right? Right. And I loved I was obsessed with that record. And then I was up in Manchester. I was sort of seeing a girl up there. And, uh, and I ended up hanging out with them a lot. You know, I was mates with Paul Ryder first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, was, I was pretty good pals with, with Sean, New Bez a bit. Gaz was always cool, uh, but he was a bit detached. Uh, but they were right. all lovely to me, ultimately. Mark Day, there's a great story. Mark Day told me this once about a year or two years ago. And he says, I never knew what you did, McGee. I just thought you took drugs, right? <laughs> and then in the 90s, I put it on, and you, you were always on the fucking news. And I was like, oh, that's what he does. He does music. <laughs> we didn't know what you did. You know, which I kind of believe, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I think they probably thought I'm just Paul Ryder's friend, do you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Well, so I'm interested, like, if, if we can divert away from the Mondays for just a moment before we listen to the tune, uh, it remind, that you saying that reminds me of sort of a piece of the story of you discovering Oasis where you thought that Liam was the drug dealer. Um, yeah. What, what is it about that experience that, that, uh, that made you think Liam was the drug dealer and Bonehead was the singer? Only because groups in 1983, right, looked shit. And Liam looked <laughs> such, a, like, such a stereotypical rock star. I said, but, but one that was dressed amazingly in a, in a great Adidas uh, Man City blue tracksuit, right? Looked fucking cool as fuck, right? But that was, that was like what you thought rock stars should look like. But the reality was rock no stars in the early 90s. None of them looked like that. They all looked as if they were drug, <laughs> drug dealers. You know, they all shit. So, and so, so I just thought, 
but the drug dealers in, in that time, they all looked cool. You'd always meet a crew of guys and the drug dealers were quite handsome. So I thought, well, he's probably the drug dealer. The bald guy will be the singer in the band. <laughs> All right. Well, I uh, that 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 made me laugh when I when I heard that story. Uh, listening yeah. to a few interviews with you earlier, but uh, anyway, this is Mad Serial by the Happy Mondays on CJRU. <laughs>
Um, all right, next up, we've got Doom Generation by Cats FX. What do you uh, what yeah, do you like about Cats FX? She's just she she's just a really strong opinionated woman. Do you know what I mean? And I think right. in the times that we're in now, when you meet girls like that, and if they've got a tune, you've got to put it out. Really, to be honest, do you know what I mean? Right, right. So I, I mean, just what... think I think I think the times that we're in, Alex. Now, I I, I think. As crazy as a lot of the Me Too stuff is, I think it's fucking really for the best. Because I think women should have equal rights, equal opportunity. And, you know, you know, you know, Kat is a product of that, if you know what I'm saying. She's like a fucking opinionated woman. And God bless her. That We need more of them now, you know what I mean? In, in rock and roll, we need, we need women like that. She, she, she's a great rock star. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a different time, she'd have been a punk hero. Do you know what I mean? Right. Or right. a big, or a big Britpop star. But she's got an opinion about fucking everything, and well, that, I love people like that, and I love women like that, especially. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I, uh, I don't think I can put it any better than that. This is Cats FX with Doom Generation on CJRU.
All right, so right now we're getting to our CanCon Quota segment of the show, um, and you've picked a classic Neil Young album for us. You've picked Zuma. Uh, what do you like about Neil Young, and what do you like about Zuma? Well, Zuma, Zuma is a classic. It was made in 1975. It's my favorite Neil, Neil record. It's just a genius record. But he is, I've been going to see him since about, 1985. I'll tell you a true story. This is this is how I, I really got into Neil Young. I was managing Jesus and Mary Chain, right? And uh, we were signed to Warner Brothers. And the head of Warner Brothers, a guy called Rob Dickens, they, they, Neil had had his peak in the early 70s, right? And he was on the wane in the early 80s. Like he was, mm. So he'd, if you call, he still was with a lot of tickets. He'd done, put two Wembley arenas but they, they'd only, can you imagine this, Neil Young's like a legend over here now, right? And he's a legend right. everywhere. But, but they, both of the nights, Alex, were half sold out, right? Mm. So Rob, who ran Warner Brothers, and he'd signed the GSMA chain off me, right? Grabbed a whole bunch of tickets and gave me them. Gave me 30 tickets a night for the two nights. And went, take you and your mates, you'll love Neil Young, blah, blah, blah. I was like, really? And I wasn't, only because it was Wembley, and I think I knew one song, like Sugar Mountain or something like that, right? right. I thought, I may as well go and see this old fucking hippie. And I wasn't expecting what I got. And he was just starting to come out of the dip. And he, he was fucking amazing. He was he was just giving it the full Neil thing on the guitar, as he does. Yeah. And I was blown away. And then the next night, I, I got the primals. That's how the primals get into Neil. Took the primals and took weather prophets we all went to see neil and our minds were fucking smashed and mm. ever since then i've seen neil a million times i've you know i've had bands tour with neil young teenage fan club did a european tour with him so uh i'm, I'm buying I, I just love neil you know yeah absolutely so i'm I'm interested whenever we talk about sort of you should stuff. make you should make him the you should make him the fucking prime minister man yeah <laughs> That's, i'm pretty sure he recently just renounced his citizenship though Oh, no, no. He, well, he, there you go, but, but I mean, he's actually, surely for Cam, for the the Canadian, is it, can he, he, he surely get away for the, the you know, and he, I know you've got to play a certain amount of Canadian records, surely that qualifies, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah no doubt, yeah. no doubt. I mean, well, and, and I'm always interested when, when we talk about sort of the Canadian content thing with, with folks from outside Canada and outside North America, um, th- is the idea, particularly from the UK, this, this idea of like the pressure to break America. Um, and when I was talking with Gaz on the show, he was talking about how, you know, they would, th- they would be playing some gig in the States and they'd be opening up for some band and they just would miss their set. They'd turn up late and people would say, you know, like, you, you don't get it. Like, you can't just do that here, you know? <laughs> so uh, what, is it, what is it that you think... Uh, well, you know, we'll stop sort of British bands from uh, from breaking America or Canada, for that matter. Such a, I mean, Oasis, Oasis, Oasis had a, a big, big record in the nineties, Morning Glory over there, and uh, right. we sold three or four million of it. We, we did good, but did we break America? I don't think they did. I don't think they culturally broke America at all. Right. Uh, we're big on the coasts. Uh, I think it, it, that says a lot that even, even Oasis couldn't really penetrate America. Do you know what I mean? It's right. a sight. It's an American. America's like state of mind, isn't it? Really, to be honest, you know what I mean. You know, and it's, I, I don't 
put any pressure on anybody anymore to try and go over there. Do you know what I mean? If America came to you, you would take it. But, you know, it's just, it seems, it just seems so distant at this point, you know? Right. Yeah. Do you think that, you know, in some ways people can almost get too like idealistic about it where they think like, oh, you know, that, that is sort of the holy grail. I was in the eighties and the nineties. I was, I was fucking obsessed with America. Do you know what I mean? I was obsessed with bands breaking in America. And we did pretty good. I mean, Primal did all right. Valentine's did all right. Fan Club did all right. Oasis got big for a bit. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I I don't know. You know, I mean, you've got to, I mean, Britain's not that much better. I mean, Britain and America have basically voted in celebrity government. Because that's what mm-hmm. Trump is. He's a celebrity TV star. Yeah. And and that and that's what Boris Johnson is. He's a fucking celebrity TV guy. And we we get two guys that are basically you know that are on the TV that are now in power. It's mad. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, this is three tracks off Zuma by Neil Young on CJRU.
Um, just a couple, a couple things I wanted to ask you before we, before we wrap up. Um, I, uh, you know, usually, usually I, I sort of will, will kick off the show, um, or, or sorry, rather wrap up the show with, um, sort of a song that I've picked. Um, and I was interested to see that you are a, uh, you are a fan of Fontaine's DC. So I thought that I would, uh, I would play a, a tune off of, uh, oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. off of their boys in the, record. Boys in the Betterlands, amazing. But yeah, yeah that, but, but that whole new record's great. Yeah. So, so that's what I was going to ask you about sort of like what, you know, what do you kind of look for? Like, what is it about Fontaine's that you like? I, I understand you're also sort of, you know, a fan of idols. Um, what is it about this? Uh, I don't even know if you would call it a, a, a sort of new wave of music, but, but what is it about yeah. that sort of world of bands that, uh, that draws you to them? I think it's young, vibrant, snidey rock and roll. I love it. <laughs> yeah yeah that's it Alrighty, so before we wrap up this episode massive thank you to alan mcgee for joining us this week and uh this being the season finale uh for our second season of the show just want to throw out a few extra thank yous uh to madison green and hillary johnston uh producers on the show to duncan briggs for our fantastic theme music that kicks off the show every week and uh to all of you for listening tuning in downloading subscribing uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff coming uh, in a couple weeks with our third season, so stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, this is Boys in the Betterland by Fontaine's DC on CJRU. When the room is spinning and the words aren't sticking And the radio's all a better runaway model With a face like sin and a hat like a James Joyce novel Saying sister, sister, how I missed you, missed you Let's go wrist to wrist and take the skin off of a blister If you're a rock star, porn star, superstar, doesn't matter what you are, get yourself a good car, get out of here. Well, put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land Driver's got names to fill two double barrels He spits out, rips out, only smokes carols And he's refreshing the world in mind, body and spirit Mind, body and spirit, you better hear it and fear it Oh, that's the spirit Saying sister, sister, how I missed you, missed you Let's go wrist to wrist and take the skin off of a vista If you're a rock star, porn star, superstar Doesn't matter what you are, get yourself a good car, get out of here Yeah Put the boys in the better land You're always talking about the boys in the better land the boys in the vessel lab. 
about the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land. Names to fill two double barrels. He spits out, breaks out, only smokes carols. And he's refreshing the world in mind, body, and spirit. Mind, body, and spirit. You better hear it, I'm spirit. Ah, that's the spirit. Saying sister, sister, how I missed you, missed you. Let's go wrist to wrist and take the skin off of a blister. If you're a rock star, porn star, superstar, doesn't matter what you are, get yourself a good car, get out of here. Yeah. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about those boys in the better land. The boys in a better life